Go ahead and bump elbows with your neighbor. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. God, I'm thankful. Maybe most of all, in terms of our church, I mean, so much to be thankful for. The word of God that goes out, the di- diversity, the way we mirror our community. Um, and maybe the thing I am most thankful is, Lord, what we can do with our kids, what we do in Harvest Kids, what we do in Awana, uh, what we're doing with the young men today. Because, Lord, you know, so many of them, since our church mirrors our society, many of our young men grow up without a father, a biological father prominent in their life, or, or maybe one who's not a good example. God, I pray you'd make all of us, uh, as adults in this church, people who would be models of Christ to the kids in this church, and uh, Lord, that they can have that and take away with them. How important, how else do we create a Daniel uh, without having godly parents, grandparents, and others? to stand before. So, uh, Father, we pray you'd be with us today as we look into your word. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Uh, So let me just do a quick quiz. Uh, You know, let's uh, pass or fail. Um, What was the largest island before Australia was discovered in 1606? Anybody hazard a guess? What was the largest island before Australia was discovered in 1606? Well, so, it was Australia. You just hadn't discovered it yet. Now, by the same token, in the 3rd century BC, the Babylonian historian Barossus said that the last king of Babylon was Nabonidus, and so that's all we knew from secular history, and so the scoffers scoffed and the mockers mocked, and they said that was evidence that Daniel, book of Daniel is wrong, and the Bible is mistaken, and it is not inspired by God. Now, now you know, just let me ask you this. Um, so here we are, uh, this last night, the last night in Babylon, we're going to look at today, here in Daniel chapter 5. What Babylonian historian would want to own up to what took place in this chapter? By the same token, we do not know what happened to the Roman Ninth Legion, which all of a sudden just disappeared from the record. So somewhere, somewhere, it was wiped out. But the Romans ain't going to let you know about their failure in that. By the same token, there are no Egyptian hieroglyphs that tell us how Moses led Israel out of Egypt, because they're not going to own up to a debacle like that. But in 1853, archaeologists did dig up plate clay cylinders in Ur of the Chaldees, and those records verified that Belshazzar was Nabonidus' son, and he was co-regent. So who was the last king of Babylon before these cylinders were discovered? It was Belshazzar, just like Daniel says. So Daniel is the man, Daniel is the model, and Daniel gives us a road map to the coming kingdom of Christ. When we arrive at chapter 5, we step 30 years past the events that we saw last time in chapter 4, and about 70 years after Daniel's original deportation in chapter 1. Now that fact right there starts us off with our thesis for today's study. Do not dare to be a Daniel unless you're going to give God's word your absolute dedication, because luck favors those who are dedicated to God because then divine providence operates on their behalf. So get into the word 
and give God today the tools that he needs in order to protect you and lead you tomorrow. Make right choices now if you want to be spared in the coming storm. And I'll admit to you, it's not fair. I mean, all of our, everybody in here who you are, high school or you are college age, you need to look at me right now and listen, I admit to you it's not fair that it is possible for right now at this time in your life for you to do one thing that ruins your life from here on out. And yet, you've got to do the right thing every single day in order to reap the benefits of that down the road. So I know that's not fair, but here's where Belshazzar is at as the storm gathers in verse 1. Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Now, before World War I, the storm emerged in Bosnia with the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. Before World War II, the storm emerged in Germany, particularly East Germany and Bavaria, you know, uh, with with, uh, the Nazis and with Hitler. And right now, it is emerging in Ukraine, all in Eastern Europe. And what was happening now was happening in Babylonians East called Persia. And you know what's so amazing me is that Daniel knew this was going to happen. I mean, the Bible tells him, look at Jeremiah 25 on your handout, verses 11 and 12. And this whole land, the holy land, shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans and will make it perpetual desolation. So Daniel's Doppler radar is the same as what we have today. Daniel knew what was taking place in Persia because the Holy Spirit recorded a forecast for the future from the mouth of his spiritual meteorologists, Isaiah and Jeremiah. As a matter of fact, Earlier, a couple of centuries before this, 260 years in advance, Isaiah names this hurricane correctly. He names it Cyrus, Isaiah 44, verses 24 and 28. Right now, that storm is heading west toward Babylon. You and I have no less effective Doppler radar to prepare us for the coming storm. As a matter of fact, ours is a lot better because we now have complete data to work with. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm a kind of a new ha- news hound, and I'll, I'll watch the news, and uh, if it's local news, then I want, I'm interested in the weather forecast, because they give these 10-day forecasts, and I, I don't care about any other day than Sunday. All I want to know is, is it going to rain Sunday? Because I know how Baptists are. You know, gallons of water to get them into the church, get baptized, few drops to keep them away. So I'm like, is it going to rain on Sunday? What's temperature going to be? But, but every time they give me a forecast, they say, well, you know, we'll update this at 10 o'clock. Or, you know, we're 10 days out, we'll update this as we get new data. But in Daniel's day, because of what he, he was a prophet, but because of what he had in the word of God, he had complete data. And guess what? Ours is a lot better. Because the handwriting is not on the wall anymore. It is bound in a book called the Bible. And in these last days of church history, God operates through the doctrine of preservation. 
now he operated in the past with the doctrine of inspiration. But you know what? Um, He did not inspire the Greek manuscripts to try and give you something in a language you do not understand. He inspired the prophets to speak and speak authoritatively, and then certain scribes to put it dead, to catch those words out of the air, put them down in written form. That is scripture. And he gave us scripture. So what God has done is he's brought scripture authoritatively into our language, English, and then he made that language the basically universal language of the world before the storm hits. And in order to prevent us, pre- present to us a final and a fixed volume of biblical authority. Now wait, every other translation and every other scholar preserves for you and prepares for you doubt, not certainty. And they, they do that the very same way that they do in the matter creation versus evolution or the existence of God over the philosophy of karma, they prepare you for doubt, not for certainty. And that is why Daniel is a roadmap for us to the coming kingdom. Right now, world rulers are blind in their ambition. Rulers in the East, like Putin, like Xi. And what they do not know is that Jesus is about to crash the party just like he did for Belshazzar's band. So let's get into the story. Let's see how this works. Verse 2, Belshazzar, whiles he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, his concubines might drink therein. In other words, he knows the storm is coming. But he says this, look, we conquered Israel and they said they had the greatest God in the universe. I'm going to bring these vessels out. We're going to desecrate them right here with what we're doing because we conquered them. That means for sure the Persians cannot conquer us. So Jeremiah 27 verse 7 clarifies that Belshazzar is actually Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. The army of Cyrus headed by Darius is developing a crosswind. It has already swept every northern city of Babylon into its vortex. Seeing that coming storm, Belshazzar's dad, Nebuchadnezzar, takes troops. He tries to head him off at the Tigris and left Belshazzar in Babylon. Well, there was a great battle, and Nebuchadnezzar was captured, and the Babylonians were defeated, and that leaves an open road to paradise by the dashboard lights. So, safe within that city, Belshazzar is wasting away in Margaritaville. I mean, after all, his walls are high, his fortifications are thick, his gates are brass. They have the Euphrates River running underneath those walls, so they've got unlimited access to water. They have stockpiled 20 years of grain in their elevators. I mean, talk about a prepper. But have you ever felt so insecure that you try and prove yourself with some stupid stunt? You know, you just said, hey, hold my beer. And, and now I know you have, so stop looking at your neighbor like that. <laughs> just keep looking straight up at me. They'll never know you were thinking about them. And, uh, and so you did something idiotic. So you could overcome some fear, some distress, some anxiety. 
You know, like the story of the cowpoke that dropped his cup into the, into the fire. He had to fish it out with sticks, set it on the ground to cool off. Another cowboy came by, you know, saw it on the ground, picked it up, and immediately shook it off. And first uh, cowpoke said, well, hey, uh, was that too hot for you to handle? Cowboy said, nope, just doesn't take me long to look at it. Well, the fire is getting too hot to handle, but Belshazzar is not going to admit it. And so he thinks that the perfect way to bolster the morale of his people is to call up 300,000 reservists and have a ball. Look at verse 3. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. Now those vessels were consecrated to serve the Lord with. Nebuchadnezzar respected those items. He placed them in his own temple there in Babylon. He knew they were sacred treasures to the Jews. So do not make the same mistake as Nabonidus and Belshazzar. After Nebuchadnezzar dies, even though he had revival, just like we saw in the last chapter, it did not take long. It did not take two generations for the dry rot of unbelief in God's word to eat away the branches of the royal family. I mean, it doesn't even take two generations. When I look at some of the pastors I've looked up to in the past, who, who within this last generation have said, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stick with the King James Bible. I'm going to go with these other um, scholar and skeptical outlook provided Bibles, uh, because after all, my kids are never going to read the King James. Well, if you're not reading it, they're not. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you no longer have a faith-based view of scripture, then nobody in your family is. So get right, stay right, so that you'll be right from the start. Give your children the foundation that will lead them into the kingdom through the coming storm. Belshazzar defied and violated protocol. Verse 4, they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. So gods of gold and silver, like, like the dollar in the stock market, Gods of iron and brass and iron like technology. Gods of wood and stone like buildings and property. I mean, these items appear in the exact same order in Revelation 9 verse 20. But now here's what the world does not factor in about our present moment. And this is our first point for study. The presence of a Daniel will sanctify any given situation. And because you are there, a Christian on the scene... God has to act differently because of divine providence. God is alive, therefore he has to show himself for a Christian who is prepared in the word and giving God worship tools right now. You know, when I graduated high school, so all of you under 30, listen to me. If you're in here, you're under 30, listen to me. When I graduated high school, I had 519 people in my graduating class. We had a graduating class, 519. And my best recollection is that every single year of my high school year, we lost at least one student who died. It may have been a car accident, may have been drug overdose, may have been cancer, may have been, but every year we were doing a memorial for at least one student out of the 519 who had passed that year. So I understand, I know that the odds are not great, but I also know this, it will happen. And when it does, 
you need to be the student that the others can come to for words of hope. So right now, in the midst of happy hour, stranger things take place. Verse 5, in the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick, that means the one that stood in the temple of, uh, in Jerusalem, upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote, then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. Now, only three times in the Bible does inspiration have anything to do with writing. I mean, give, you know, give your mind to think about this for a second. Only three times does inspiration have to do with writing the word of God versus speaking it. Because what God inspired was the prophets and the apostles to speak. And sometimes that was, a, a, a scribe captured those words out of the air, put them, put them in written form, and that was not inspiration, that was inscripturation. And that is why the Bible says that the word of God was given to us by inspiration, but it's not that the manuscripts are inspired. It's not that the original was inspired, which doesn't even exist today. It is that he's given us something in the word of God just for us. And so now here is, here's Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, he's, he's going out of his mind and, and, and he's looking for answers. And the only person they can go to is Daniel. This writing shows up over against the candlestick which had been stolen from the temple, which was a type of the Holy Spirit, Revelation 4-5. In that temple, it shined light onto the table of showbread, which is a Bible type of the Word of God. So Belshazzar messed his britches. He is so scared. I mean, so no wonder, verse 7, the king cried aloud to, hey, bring me a mop. And bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. I seem to have soiled myself. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Bring me some fresh drawers. And by the way, whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet, have a chain of gold about his neck, shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Which is kind of like being offered to be the captain of the Titanic. And he's third ruler because Belshazzar is a co-regent himself, and he's also third ruler because Daniel is acting as a type of the Spirit of God. Joseph was made second ruler in Egypt, Genesis 41, because he was a type of the Son of God. So who wants to ride with, with, with General Custard a little bighorn? I wonder, verse 8. Then came in all the king's wise men. But they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. Now, if you, I mean, I know that some American publishers think they're updating the spelling, and they even change even the King James to astonished, but that's not what it means. It means his princes are paralyzed. They are turned to stone. Belshazzar is terrified. It's written all over his face and the seat of his pants, and, and verse 10, Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed, only your pants. 
So here is queen mother of, of Belshazzar, married to Nabonidus. She states everything according to her own beliefs, based on what she has seen in the, in the past generation, which is the next reason to be prepared as a Daniel in your workplace. It's our second point for study, because when all else fails, the lost world looks to the Christian. You need to be ready in the Bible so that people know that you can be called upon for an answer in that crisis to help them dissolve their doubts because you are the one who is holding out hope from the word of God. Now wait, hope is not in the election or those elected. Hope is not in education, medication, psychotherapy, or crime control. The only people who survive the storm instead of being swept away are those who give a faith response to God's words. So brushing off the dust of the past, the queen starts to remember in verse 11, there is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods was found in him, whom the king, Nebuchadnezzar, thy father. Now in the Bible, the word father is also used to cover grandfathers and and other extended family who were men, which I think is exactly my point in saying all of the men in this church should be able to father all of the children in this church. That's our responsibility. And the king, I say thee, thy father made him master of all these other dudes and peeps that you have surrounding you. And so she recites Daniel's resume, and and this is the one that you need to be building right now in front of the advancing storm. Six things. I want you to take note of them, verse 12. For as much as starts off with an excellent spirit. You got a critical spirit, that's the first thing you need to get out of your life. It calls down, I'm just saying, I'm not, I don't mean to spook you, it calls down demonic involvement. And that's no, that's no thing but a chicken wing, because we got the Holy Spirit, but you need an excellent spirit in you. Your spirit needs to be excellent, and knowledge, and understanding, interpreting of dreams, showing of hard sentences, and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. So you can, you tell me how you can dissolve doubts if you do not actually have what the King James Bible calls in Proverbs chapter 22, verses 19 to 21, the certainty of the words of truth. And it is only the King James Bible, not any other translations that say right there in that verse that you have the certainty of the words of truth. Only the King James says that. Now, isn't that a coincidence? So the excellent spirit here is the Holy Spirit as well as influencing Daniel's spirit. You have to have him, but you do have the certainty of the words of truth in the scriptures God has given you. So are you giving your life to get those words of truth in you so that the Holy Spirit has something to work with? People want answers to the riddles of life. People look for somebody who can get them in touch with God. We want a sure and certain word of authority Because we know that gives us divine instruction and that is our best chance. It gets providence operating on our our behalf. 
And it gives us instruction on raising children and managing a career and building a home and having a satisfied life and relating to other people. People always look for a Daniel in times of disaster. And all the fakers who act like Daniel but are not pick up all the sheep, all the sheeple who ought to be following the ones that have the word of God. So verse 13, then was Daniel brought in before the king and the king spake and said unto Daniel, art thou that Daniel whom art the, of the children of the captivity of Judah, southern kingdom, whom the king my father brought out of Jew, Jewry, either kingdom, I have even heard of thee that the spirit of the gods is in thee and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. Well, my mom and them say that anyhow, uh, which is the same thing that Pharaoh said of Joseph in Genesis 41, 15. And the same thing Queen of Sheba said about Solomon when she wanted him to answer all her hard questions, 1 Kings 10. And the same thing Herod said about Jesus when he wanted Jesus to perform a miracle for him in Mark chapter 6. So word gets around when you have the actual words of God. Why do you need Jesus calling when he already left you a message? Hello, somebody. I'm just saying. Verse 17, then Daniel answered and said before the king, let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. So before Daniel starts the interpretation, in verses 18 to 21, he gives Belshazzar a history lesson. And we saw that last time, really, in chapter 4. So let's start after the jump. Look at verse 22. And thou, Nebuchadnezzar's son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart like he did. You remember we read he did back then. Though thou knewest all this, but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. I mean, Belshazzar knew about his grandfather becoming a beast, and he knew how Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah had been rescued in chapter 3 out of the fiery furnace, and he still defied the God of heaven by defiling the temple vessels. If you want to know what God does with the heathen, Read Daniel chapter 4. But now here in Daniel chapter 5, you read the truth about the lost. And this is our third point for study. No one goes to hell who has not rejected light that God has already given them. Okay, wait, hold it. This is where you need to have a Daniel answer for some people asking you a reason for the hope you have within you. Nobody goes to hell for something they did not know. No, everyone ends up in hell because they rejected light they've been given. They don't go to hell because they didn't know the gospel. The three ways that Belshazzar manifests human pride in rejecting light. Number one, he mocked holy things. Do not mock the Bible. I'm just saying, I know, I, you know we take a lot of mockery. I take a lot of mockery for uh, my view of biblical authority with regard to the King James Bible. Okay, I'm just saying, don't mock the Bible because that is the holy thing now. Verse 23, and they have brought the vessels 
of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them. So instead, Colossians 3.16, instead of letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly and therefore filling you with the Holy Spirit, you are filled with these spirits. And that's the thing you better recognize about the sinfulness of sin. The Bible says your body is God's vessel right now. 2 Corinthians, look, at, look on your handout, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure, what treasure? The light of the knowledge of the glorious gospel of Christ in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Paul warns you specifically against mocking God by defiling your vessel. For Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Make sure you put your vessel in the proper place and use it for God's purposes for eternity. Second, second, Belshazzar let loose his pride as well as his mouth. Number two, by worshiping other gods. Verse 23, And thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know. So in verse 4, they get drunk, praising the gods in the same order as Nebuchadnezzar's image back in Daniel chapter 2. First gold, at the head, then, then arms of silver and chest of brass and legs of iron and mixed with clay, wood, stone. But in verse 23, Daniel puts the gods of silver first because the silver arms of that image are just about to overthrow the head of gold. Yet Belshazzar did not do anything more than you and I do here in America. He gave his substance and he gave his service to material things Worshipping the almighty dinar, and we still serve gods which can be eaten, rusted, and stolen. Oy vey. But the third thing, and this is the most important, because the last thing on this list shows you the first step on the road back. So if you're here, if you're high school, you're college age, if you are under 30, listen to me right now, because you may have messed up already. All right, well, here's how to get back. I mean, I know you know you can have forgiveness, but, I, but you need to feel like you have the forgiveness and get the fellowship back. So do you want to get out of the pit that you are in today? Then start with number three and work this list backwards. Number three, he did not glorify the one true God. Verse 23, and the God in whose hand thy breath is. And whose are all thy ways, hast thou, you have fallen short of his glory. So can I just say again, say a word to everybody under 30. I mean, talk about a storm. I admit a storm has come upon you. I mean, it's a storm that's already here. It's not like we're waiting on it to show up. It has showed up now. Because your grandparents are wondering right now, they are wondering today, how did we ever get to the place that we condemned you to having mental health issues by teaching you such dysphoria, gender dysphoria, other things that deny waking biological reality. So, so that's on us. I mean, we were that, you know, we were, we, we, we were that hippie generation. 
So, uh, you know, it's all good. And so the only solution we give you for what we did to you is making it legal for you to hit the blunt. Hello, somebody. I mean, isn't that just like us? The, the, <laughs> the storm's already here. If you want to see, look at Revelation chapter, uh, Romans chapter 1 there on your handout, Romans one twenty one. If you want to see how apostasy started in our own society, watch. Because that when they knew God, man, they had a Bible. And I know that the revised version came out in 1881, but we were still using the King James in, in Bible-believing, preaching, teaching churches in the 30s, in the 40s, in the 50s. Man, it was up until we got to that hippie generation. And then we kind of threw all of that out. And okay, we knew God, glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in our imaginations. So our foolish hearts been darkened. Scholarly and scientific skeptical, skeptical infidels today deny the waking reality of creation. I mean, how, I mean it's like, how can, you, how can you deny it? How can you deny creation over evolution? I mean, let's take the elephant, for example. Elephants are cool. I love elephants. Uh, they have these big ears, which the evolutionists say evolved exactly that way so that they could keep the elephant's head cold. Keep it cool. They got, they got the big brains. They got great memories. A fantastic trunk to pick up things for such a large animal and, and the, the uh, dexterity that it can have. All right. Well, you show me then all of the transitional forms in the fossil record that show that evolved. And I'll show you where it just showed up. I mean, it, just, it was just like God created. It's just like right there. So we deny waking reality. Uh, and uh, uh, we've darkened our understanding. And so God darkens our heart. And you need to start today. Start with God today and glorifying him and reverse the curse. Can you not read the lipstick on the mirror? After death, there's a clear division between the saved and the lost. So Daniel gives Belshazzar inspired scripture, which even differs from the original manuscript. Watch, verse 24. Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written. Mene, mene, take all you farseen. That is the interpretation of the thing. Mene... God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it, and he doubled it. He said it twice because you are done. You are out. Uh, uh, Tekel, thou hast been weighed in the balances and found wanting. But watch, Daniel says, I'm a prophet. I'm going to give you the New Testament version of the Old Testament word. I mean, you farsen, that's the plural. Farsen is the plural. You on front men and. Uh, you know, so, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the root word, Perez, because not only is your kingdom divided, it's divided to be given to the Medes and the Persians. So the words are all Chaldean, but they're written in Hebrew letters. And Daniel explains it all to him and says, look, you know, God knows when your number is up and you don't. So you better start being a Daniel today. 
Because here's our fourth point for study. Tekel means God has measured out light to you and he is waiting, he is weighing what faith he gets back. 1 Samuel 2 verse 3, talk no more so exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth for the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. God gives you knowledge in the words of Scripture, which you have in a King James Bible, and he weighs out your faith responses to act on them in return. Verse 29, then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet, put a chain of gold about his neck, made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And here are two ways that you can fail to be ready for the coming storm. This is Belshazzar's two blunders. First, he honored Daniel, but not Daniel's God. I mean, you remember Nebuchadnezzar fell down and worshiped? Belshazzar doesn't do that. Second, he recognized the messenger, but he did not obey the message. Man, wasn't that preacher good today? Yeah, but did you do what the Bible says? Verse 30, in that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain because Cyrus's ingenious commander Darius figured out he could divert the Euphrates River enough that his army could wade in underneath the walls of the city. And then he follows the riverbed to the city center. He secretly enters a ballroom and they immediately take Belshazzar's wasted life. That brings us to our fifth final point for study. God's patience is proportionate to how you respond to what you know from his word about his will for your life. Hebrews 3.15 says, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, as in the day when Israel provoked him. Do not harden, but humble while it is still called today. Verse 31, and Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. Cyrus was a conqueror. He leaves his chief general behind to rule over the city as he goes on to make other conquests. So before we leave, I just got to give you one more thing so that you can personalize this passage, a few things related to personalizing this passage. Because when we look underneath the fading pageantry of ancient Babylonian history, What do we need in order to survive the coming storm? Let's don't assume anything. Let me start at the beginning. Number one, if God writes something, you better read it. God's given you the certainty of the words of truth today, even though he's not given you the the original manuscripts. His word was not preserved in Greek and Hebrew. It is preserved where you can read it. You can identify scripture in English. It is waking reality. All you have to do is look at history, view it believingly, and you see God's hand in history. God's hand isn't operating on a plaster wall anymore. It operates in history to show you what God did. Number two, the smartest, most highly trained scholars can interpret nothing correctly apart from the Holy Spirit of God. And if you'll agree with me on that one, then you can see right on the surface why they are wrong as smart as they are. Because they deny the plain evidence of God's hand in history. And thirdly, acknowledge that you are sinful and in need of a Savior because you are weighed and found wanting. Romans 3 verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Wow, just like Nebuchadnezzar had and just like Belshazzar did, 
Will you simply confess that to the Lord this morning? Because then finally, and this is number four, you can understand that salvation is a free gift of God's grace. You activate God's grace to save you by your faith in the finished work of Christ. No ceremonies, no sacraments, no rituals. It's not, it's not seven sacraments. It's not an eightfold path. It's not five pillars. All you got to do today is reach out in prayer to trust Jesus and trust him for what he promises you right now, everlasting life by faith in him. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now that you know these things, you need to respond to the gospel. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder, will you heed the warning sirens today? God is speaking to you. How many times has he spoken already and you put him off? I mean, I'm again, if you're under 30, I'm especially speaking to you. Maybe you had a close call. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was in another church. But you know that he spoke and you rejected his words. Your time has come. Make today your day of salvation. All it takes is your decision. Go ahead and stand. Let us pray. Let's pray together. Father, I admit we are surrounded today by a culture that is not far removed from Babylon. We are Babylonian. There's little restraint in our pleasure. There's little restraint in our eating, our drinking, and our serving of the flesh. God, I want us to be different. I want us to be Daniel. So Lord, I want to pray on behalf of every person in here, especially those who already know you as Savior. And I'm going to ask them to ask, as I ask you right now, Lord, make us different. I yield myself to you from this morning on to go out from here today and start a new life controlled by your Holy Spirit as he speaks to me through your Holy Bible. I don't want to desecrate the vessel that you've given me. Show me your will so I can present my body a living sacrifice to glorify you and for your purpose to use in eternity. And if you're here and you're not yet saved, all you have to do is pray and say, God, save me for Jesus' sake. I trust Jesus today for everlasting life. Here, Jesus, I give you my life. And if you pray and you say that, God puts you in Christ, he puts the Holy Spirit in you, and you are born again.